Hey, uh, Derek, uh, you know we're on iTunes now, right? I have an Android. I can't get iTunes. Let's start the show. For those who do not know, the biggest wrestling spectacular, names from all over the country, former champions, I've never seen anything like it. Eddie Graham, Florida Promotion. Vern Gagne, Superstar Billy Graham, Road Warriors, Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee, Bill Watts, Jerry Jarrett, Dory Funk, Harley Race, uh, Nick Bockwinkle. This is Cigars in Conversation with Derek St. Holmes, Esquire. Hello and welcome to Cigars and Conversations, brought to you by our friends at Astro Radio Z, OneGimmickWorld.com, and iTunes. I'm your co-host, Jay Gilkay, and I'm sitting with a true raconteur in the world of professional wrestling. This man has shared the ring with a who's who of talent that ranges from Red Lightning to the Black Ninja, a wrestler, manager, commentator, and trainer who's contributed essays to wrestling publications and frequently performs the Harvard step test during his workout sessions. With 20 years of experience, he's a true renaissance man with unlimited knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, I am speaking of the one, the only, the incomparable Derek St. Holmes Esquire. Hello. Hello. I've both been a ninja and wrestled a ninja, I think. You've been a ninja? Yes. That's kind of neat. Sure. Now, was it like an African-American ninja, or was it a ninja wearing black? The black ninja. Because isn't that just redundant to say the black ninja? Unless you're Franco Nero in the movie Enter the Dragon. He was a white ninja, though. Or not Enter the Dragon. uh, uh, Enter the Ninja. Shokushogi was the black ninja. So, again, was it an African-American ninja, or was it a ninja wearing a black outfit? It was a ninja wearing a black outfit. Right. I wore... An octagon mask, a Stonehenge t-shirt turned inside out so it was all black, <laughs> uh, puffy balloon pants, wrestling shoes, and uh, leather leather wrist guards from the um, Renaissance Fair. I think I saw that guy working at an indie show this last I'm week. I'm sure somewhere. you did. I'm sure you did. Although, and there's a Punisher uh, symbol. Yes, uh, yes. On it as well. uh, this actually came up recently that people aren't ninjas anymore. It used to be like when I started, there was like, "Hey, get get a black hood, get a gi, put it in your bag. You can always be a ninja, especially if you need to get on the show." That's pretty great. Yeah, but now there's well, one guys don't pack the emergency gear, but the believability the, of ninjas is completely blown in the wrestling scene. Is yeah, that what you're not saying? that it was ever, you know, yeah, like, like Doink. Or but wouldn't it be cool though if you had like five or six of your buddies, you you, you road trip to a show somewhere. Okay. Each one of you has a ninja outfit in your uh-huh. car, and you just say to the promoter, "Check it out. You've got five ninjas sitting here. You could do anything. Like we could come out as support for somebody. We could be some mysterious ninjas that show up through the crowd. Whatever it is, it would be. I certainly wouldn't volunteer that. I think it's there would great. have to be a monetary conversation there. Yeah, well, right. But I'm saying, but it's just kind of a, a neat touch. Uh, similar to the way I think when you see people on Halloween dressed up, like, hey, who are you supposed to be? And you're like, I'm a Green Bay Packer or a Detroit Line, like just one football player. Yeah, that's great. You have one costume. But how much cooler would it be if you got like 10 of your friends and you all just dressed up like the entire team? I think that's great. 
You just always wished for more friends growing up, didn't you? A little bit. But I'm all right. I would also be a fan of the one person wearing the costume, but then you've got all the sticks going out either way, so you've got another like <laughs> yes, six dummy. Yes, guy. yes. So you have to go through doors sideways and stuff like that. That yeah, yeah that I'd is. I'd be a fan of that, and you just wipe out the whole sidewalk just walking down. Just, <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. Just taking everybody out. Hey, um, give me your candy. I have an interesting fact for you. Okay. Did you know that? A husky, furry male is also referred to as a bear. Yes. Like a, yeah. I believe there's a whole subcategory of that. Yeah. There's bears so and is it homosexual, husky, furry males are referred to as bears. Now, the reason I say that is because um, when I was researching... Otters. I've never understood what an otter is. Is there really an yeah. otter? Yeah. An otter is either a shaved bear or a bear that's very wet. Well, but bears are bears have a belly. Yes. Yeah, they got to be kind of yeah. on the huskier side. Yeah. And I, I found that out the hard way. Um, at, a, at a truck stop? <laughs> at a truck stop this at last like two weekend. two in the morning? Yeah. You know, it happens. Uh, 20 bucks is Looking 20 up bucks. today's topic. Sure. And when you just type in wrestling a bear, <laughs> it opens up the internet for all kinds of stuff that, as a married heterosexual male with two children. Sure you are, Jay. Uh, let me just say that that was a bit of a shocker. Yes. Uh, actually go ahead. No, go I, got, go I ahead. got nothing else. I'm no, just, present I'm, the topic. Cause I can take this off into a strange, uh, yeah, strange. guys, we're talking about the history of, uh, wrestling bears and professional wrestling, like the actual, the animal, the, the bears. animal bears. Yes yes, yes. yes. Uh, there is a, a sub world of wrestling, um, where basically you get paid to beat up on somebody. Sure. Yes. I first discovered this uh, about 15 years ago when the internet was still a new thing. And my friend said, hey, maybe you can find some money here. And he sent me essentially want ads for people looking for this particular kink. Yeah. And at first I was grossed out, but then I'm like, okay, let's read through this because maybe there's one that isn't quite as creepy. But then I found out about such things as gut punching. Yes. And nipple twisting. Those are like codified things. They must have gut punching, must have nipple pinching. Um, CBT, which I had to ask about, which later shocked me to my core. Go ahead. Oh, well, go Kyle ahead. Wants Kyle, to know. ask. What is CBT? Cock and ball torture. Oh. Yeah. So. But there are were a lot of things in these ads, and I'm sure somebody's listening to these just laughing, saying, oh, straight boy, you're getting it so wrong. But it, right. was, it was still pretty funny. Um, like, you have to be the heel. Apparently, there's a heel and whatever in this role so this play. Is, okay, so this, this is, is like, yeah, you, this isn't like the, the girls beating up the guy. No, no, this is a, this, these are people paying a lot of money to get beat up in a specific way. Nice. You know, like they want to be held in head scissors and they want to be stretched out and stuff like that. Gotcha. But let's shoot to the end here. Right. <laughs> I couldn't find anything that wasn't quite creepy enough where some of them that said, you know, must be nude play or like i couldn't find anything that was like hey you earn some money for being a wrestler so i did not i did not pursue this now i'm familiar with the but it um, also shocked me that uh, i also heard at that time this was before ufc and everything when i talked to some of my elders in wrestling about well where is real wrestling you know what i found out later was catch wrestling yeah uh, i was told oh it's in underground gay clubs 
And really? this, this is what he was talking about. Oh, gotcha. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't know that world existed. Uh, that's, it's come a, I mean, come now, a long way, baby. Yeah, come a long way now. And right, because of wrestling, I'm rarely surprised at anything. Sure, right. You know, well, that, from out- rarely surprised, often disappointed. Yeah, right. Well, I know there was the, um, the, was it the Queen Kong from Glow? Sure. Was doing the male domination wrestling. For yeah, a that's while. very common. Yeah, and like, and I'm, I'm familiar with that stuff. Um, but just, <laughs> and then I, I laughed thinking about what if you actually had an actual bear, like a grizzly, a Bruin, if you will, mm-hmm. and you put an ad in for bear wrestling, and some guy showed up, and you just had him get the fuck mauled by a. giant pair but anybody that showed up for that would know what they were getting into and that's why they'd show up but that's at least that's what i tell myself yes like hey nah you know what you're getting into well uh go ahead that's kind of crazy right i don't know yes i mean and i'm joking i knew what a bear was i I just thought it was a good way to yeah but what i mean we're not judging that whole lifestyle you know good for it uh i i was more excited because if it did exist underground then that was a way that that art form was preserved and you can't you know, you can't choose whatever avenue. You just have to be thankful that something exists. Yeah, no, and if that I, makes sense, exactly. And you know, so I'm sure there's websites available, and uh, you know, I almost just said different strokes for different folks. CBT. Yeah. Gut punching. Just the whole thought. Gut punching. It was all one word. Yeah. That's, gut punching. That's pretty okay. <laughs> like I want you to bend my arms behind my head and punch me in the stomach as hard as you can. As hard as you possibly can. Yeah. Yes. Things like you must be a heel, action will be rough, but you will win. Okay. Wow. I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. That that I would win when he gave me. Okay, this is yeah. So they knew the terminology, and they're like, "You can, you got to be a heel." Well, but I think it's the same words, but a different terminology in this context. I think heel is the overly aggressive, mean wrestler. Okay. I mean, which is not much different, but. I guess he's the guy on top when you're smashing the guy's face into the mat. Sure. You know. Or smashing his face into something else. Real hard. All right. Let's get to... uh, (laughs) Wrestling Bears. We're super secure, too, in who we are as as men. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, what are you going to do? Right? Let's talk about wrestling uh, actual bears. Um, Are you... I mean, of course, you're familiar with it, but what what was your first exposure to it, or how did you kind of come about... Oh, it was always uh, touched on in uh, like wrestling documentaries and such. And oh, they even wrestled bears, and you'd see that. Right. But then uh, my first real hard exposure to it was reading the book Drawing Heat by Jim Friedman. Yes. Who uh, did a summer tour with Dave McKingley, who they called the Bear Man, who had a bear. Okay, yeah. Sure. Did he wrestle the bear? He He wrestled the bear. Yeah, he mostly wrestled the bear on that tour. But this was a bear that was also uh, other people could wrestle it. Does, has the bear become the, a Woodstock type thing where a lot of wrestlers claim they've wrestled bears, or did a lot of them wrestle bears? Uh, I mean, is it something where a lot of like the old timers would say like, "Oh, I wrestled a bear. I was on the show." I mean, was it that common? Were people having the opportunities? Do you think was it something that was that? Well, it out was there? a traveling. It was a traveling attraction. That you would often build up your major heel to have to wrestle the bear. Yeah. Um, so obviously not, not in the last thirty years, but previous to that, sure, there may have been a lot more. Yeah. Now there were some guys like Johnny Heideman who liked to wrestle bears. Just like they liked just it. they just got the 
they got the deal and right. knew how to handle them and everything was fine. Which uh, to the, I mean, as we go through this sure. too, it's kind of funny to think that, um, I mean, yes, you weren't getting any kind of a two-star match out of a bear. Right. But the fact that it was just pretty much s- slow plotting, trying to like just g- coaxing the bear to do something. Well, depending time. on what bear and what time. Now, we say it's a traveling attraction. Now, during the territory heyday, you had the bears, you had the women wrestlers, you had the midgets. I mean, these would all, they'd come around and they'd do a loop around your territory and then you'd see them two or three times a year. Right. You know, right. so it wasn't... It wasn't anything that was sustainable. There wasn't, you know, the bear wasn't in the doing the weekly loop, <laughs> right. you know, and then, and then making awesome, TV, though. you know. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, the bears made it for TV. So just going back uh, real quickly, uh, so bear wrestling actually started in Europe. Sure, and yeah. that was in the mid-19th century, and it actually made its American debut in 1877. Right, but even uh, previous to that, there's references in Shakespeare to bull baiting. I mean, it was, right. it was common that a bear would be used in some aspect, whether it be combat. Uh, you know, even in gladiatorial times, they would pit different animals or different, you know, against people or whatever. Right. So bears were always used because they were always around and known you know, for their, for their abilities. Right. And because uh, they kind of look like just furry humans. Well, yes. And I was going to say related to that, a popular sideshow thing from back in the 1700s and 1800s is they would call it like the feral lady or whatever. And they would just take a bear and shave it and put it in a woman's dress. For real? Yeah. Yeah. That was an exhibit. That's awesome. You know, but are you going to shave a bear? Especially <laughs> if you think about back then, they probably just fed it wine until it passed out. Oh, right. And right. Zip. Oh man, imagine that. Yeah, imagine what, like if you, yeah, you just wonder how much hair they really are versus muscle. Muscle, right, yeah. right, and just, uh, just seeing that, it's kind of like the, um, there was the picture going around online of I think it was like a sea turtle that lost its shell, and everyone said it was like a chupacabra dried up right, on the beach, right, and you're just like, so that's what a turtle looks like, like uh-huh. living outside of a shell, yeah, and it right, was super duper. Creepy. Yeah, so bears were always around, used in uh, you know entertainment, right, for there, and we make light of this. And it seriously, I mean, it's definitely a sad thing. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, the way that... Yeah, it's, like it's, the, it's exploitation of an animal and blah, right. blah, 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 blah. I mean, and just to kind of put it into uh, terms, uh, a lot of times they would yank out uh, the front teeth of the bear. They'd let it keep its molars, yeah, right. I guess, if that's what you would call the, the back teeth of a bear, molars. And they'd also remove the claws uh, and, of course, then muzzle it, uh, put mitts on its uh, paws as well. Not all the time. Um, and not all the time, but that's the one that they removed the uh-huh. claws a lot. Of, I mean, because those claws would get you. Right. But the one that I thought was, I mean, it's all horrible, but they'd also do the thing where they would cut the tendons in the legs and the arms. Uh, not uh, not all the time. This not, isn't. Right. This isn't. I, I understand uh, they would that, also ca- they would also castrate weird. the the male bears. Right. Right. You know, so they wouldn't get uber aggressive. Right. But there were still lots of problems because uh, bears are just phenomenally powerful um yes uh these were all stories but the 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 top three were the removing the teeth removing the claws and castrating right you know and then everything else was depending on how the bear was trained yes now bears are incredibly intelligent and they're able to learn several tricks so some of these bears were you know, just yanked their teeth out and got beat with sticks and thrown into the ring. But other ones of these bears were actually trained and could do stuff. Right. And they knew their they knew their routine. It's like the um, 
the orangutan or orangutan trend of the 1970s. Right. Going ape, Poppy, Tiga, Rusty. They used to do it in uh, Las Vegas. You know what I'm talking about, right? All the tricks. Yes, you put but I'm just laughing that you then... do. Yeah. I love it. Do, uh-huh. you, do you remember that stuff? No, Every which way but lose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, right turn, Clyde. Right turn, right. Clyde. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it all kind of you think about, of course, animals can be trained. Um, I imagine, yeah, just the fact that they'd be able to do some things with them, I too. I am glad that you brought up um, uh, monkeys or, or yes. orangutans and stuff because there was... Uh, we're, we're concentrating on wrestling bears, but there was also a traveling uh, monkey and chimpanzee exhibit called Noel's Ark, okay. which is run by the Noel family out of Florida, which is, for the longest time, he was looked at as an expert on how to handle, because he knew simian behavior and sure. stuff like that. But it was a portable, you know, portable little to-do that they would, you know, move around the country with different carnivals, but that was the last five minutes with... Last five minutes with a chimp, get ten dollars or whatever. Yeah, and <laughs> they never had to pay out because people, oh, they're so small, cute. A chimp will fuck you oh, up. Oh, big man. time. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, witness. sorry to. I mean, no, the lady, that one lady, just yeah. recently. Well, not recently, last. 10 but years you know, or so. they would again. Those were semi-chained chimps as well. Absolutely. That put on the boxing gloves and would just beat the hell out of people until they begged to get out of the. You know, so they never had to pay out. Uh, there's uh, supposedly a story of Bruno San Martino trying to wrestle the chimpanzee at one of these shows and really? getting all of his clothes ripped off. And the line in the book I read, which is fake, said, that's the first time I've been kicked in the ass and socked in the jaw at the same time or something like that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's good. That's like That That sounds like an after line. Yes, yes. I mean, so I, I knew it was fake in the book. Yeah, years but, before uh, that. So there was, you know, there's been a long history uh, even boxing kangaroos of right. men trying to do something against animals, saying, oh, look at how cute they are. But no, animals will. Wasn't that a movie, too, once about the boxing kangaroo where they were taking it around the country and it was prize fighting? Possibly. I remember it like a, a movie of the week. Sure. Back in the 80s. Um, but, I mean, there were <laughs> there were a lot of ways to make money back in the day. You know, people <laughs> didn't really look so close. So the with the wrestling the bears, was uh-huh. it always an actual wrestler wrestling the bears? Would they have audience members do it? Or was it for the protection of... Uh, no, this is both. Okay. Because in what we're talking about is, um, you know, where it was built up as a wrestling angle. Yeah. But there were also like exhibits around where all comers could wrestle the bear. But, you know, they were also given lots of rules about that. Sure. Uh, Chris Curtis, who's a local enhancement wrestler of the Tom Stone era, mentions in his book he got to wrestle a bear like at a car dealership or something because they had, a you know, come meet the bear and then we'll have wrestling matches with, you know, just something to draw people in. But he got in with the bear and... There were always dodges when they'd open up like that because somebody would finally finagle and trip the bear off its feet and get it down. Right. But then the dodge was always, no, a bear has sloped shoulders, so you can't, can't get both get of his shoulder blades to the mat. It's right. Like, oh, that's cheap. Yeah. Well, and I mean, at some point, you just got to get them, get them down and do what you can with it. Right. Uh, the other one, too, is as far as uh, the danger of it all, which we know it's dangerous, mm-hmm. and they talk about guys losing thumbs. Mm-hmm. And Louis co- Martinez out of Chicago. Ariba Louis Martinez misses, is missing part of his finger. From, uh, from a bear. From a bear. And because they got it in behind the muzzle back on the molars because they need the molars so they can chew their food. But the bear would also know if their finger got in there bear. to jerk his head forward and get it. Right. Yeah. 
And so probably tasty. Early on in the um, when bear wrestling was popularized, and especially on the East Coast, uh, there was Martin and Lena. They were two circus bears that were being used. Sure. Uh, what makes them notable? Not so much Martin as much as Lena. Lena actually killed somebody in the ring. Yeah, I'm not surprised. So Jean Francis Bourne in the heat of combat was killed in mm-hmm. the ring uh, by a bear, which, again, there's that dark side that you don't really hear about. You always think of the fun, like the silliness of mm-hmm. it. But uh makes me wonder what that looked like, like what exactly would have happened. Oh, but, I mean, he could have done it with a swipe of his paw and broke right. his neck as opposed, right, to, as opposed to neck. gutting him out. Right. Uh, there was also a big problem I had always heard about uh, was uh, women at ringside that were menstruating oh, or, sure. or having their period. The bear could smell the blood and would get funny. Yeah. Now, there's also the story, uh, that's how the bear man's wife got killed, was a uh, bear got out of its cage, the bear man was outside, the wife was menstruating, bear smelled the blood, went inside the house and killed the wife. Gotcha. I mean, they just, they get the scent. They get it. And they They're still wild animals, you know. Eddie Graham was considered one of the brightest wrestling minds of all time. Once a wrestler, Graham parlayed his knowledge of the wrestling business into the promotional end and became one of the most influential men ever in the wrestling business. He was a wrestler, trainer, and a very respected promoter, and in 1976 was elected president of the National Wrestling Alliance, making him the most powerful figure in the country when it came to promoting professional wrestling. It was Graham's vision and excellence as a performer that took the Florida Territory from just another wrestling stronghold to the centerpiece of the NWA for a period, a position normally occupied by St. Louis. Graham's storylines were dynamic as he knew precisely how to manipulate his audience. Graham was heavily responsible for putting together what was the first ever NWA and WWWF title unification match between Harley Race and then Worldwide Wrestling Federation champion superstar Billy Graham. In the early 1970s, Eddie Graham brought his son, the small and relatively less charismatic Mike Graham, to the southeast. The two would tag for several years, capturing tag team gold in Florida while amassing a huge following of fans who went filed for the local babyfaces. To fans in Florida, Eddie Graham was iconic. When he eventually stopped wrestling, he put his focus full-time on promoting championship wrestling from Florida, as well as the charitable work and involvement in amateur wrestling that made him such a beloved figure. In 1978, Graham made a $10,000 contribution to the University of Florida to construct an amateur wrestling facility on campus. He also spent time bringing new talent into professional wrestling, and as a trainer of future talent, Few have ever directly or indirectly paid a part in breaking in so many future stars. Unfortunately for Graham, business in Florida began to decline rather rapidly in the early 80s, and a rocky personal life, depression, and long-standing history of alcoholism and severe financial problems all began to take their toll. By his final months, Graham was said to have become a loner who pushed almost everyone away from him. On the morning of January 20, 1985, Super Bowl weekend, Eddie Graham was discovered dead after taking his own life. It was a series of self-inflicted gunshot wounds, 
and at the age of 55, Florida had lost their hero. Fans in Florida, and really all over the country, were in shock. Like Texas after the Von Erich tragedy, Florida wrestling, already on life support, died and never came back in any meaningful capacity. Eddie's son Mike attempted to pick up the pieces and take over championship wrestling from Florida where his father left off. But unfortunately, Mike never had the natural ability of his father both in the ring and outside of it to pull it all off. In an effort to raise Mike Graham up to the level of his now deceased father, an angle was formulated that many considered to be the most tasteless angle of all time. In late March of 1985, Mike Graham walked out to talk with Gordon Soley less than two months removed from his dad's tragic and confusing suicide. Clearly the wounds were still fresh for the dwindling number of fans that still attended wrestling cards in Florida. Mike Graham, with tears in his eyes, spoke fondly about his father as the appreciative fans looked on. Then out walked the Freebirds, who had recently been on a roll as fan favorites in championship wrestling from Florida. They had just wrapped up destroying the Russians in the territory and had been thus far silencing Percy Pringle's stable of heels in the bird's most recent feud. When they stepped into the interview area, Mike Graham looked on sadly in remembrance of his father and reacted as though he was ready to hear what kind words the Freebirds had about him. The fans looked on in the same way. Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Roberts instead said it was their turn to talk, and talk they did. The most infamous remark was made by Buddy Roberts, who looked in Eddie Graham's son's eyes and shouted, Mike, face it, your father was a loser. Roberts continued to verbally destroy both Mike and his father with comments that hit very close to home, offending almost everyone who still watched the product. Mike Graham retaliated, passionately telling the Freebirds that they would not get away with talking about his father in that fashion. There were two problems, however. The first was that, even in a state that held Eddie Graham so highly, no one cared about his son at best, and at worst the audience seemed disgusted that he was stooping to this level to get over. The other problem was that as Mike Graham shouted and flailed his arms around after a beatdown, the camera showed a razor blade taped to his finger in as much clarity and detail as a blade had ever appeared on wrestling television. Mike had no idea and continued to wave it in front of the camera in the most obvious of manners for what seemed like minutes before and after being attacked by the Freebirds and using it to lacerate his own forehead to sell the beating. A bloody Mike Graham fought off the Freebirds that night to mostly shock, disgust, and indifference and went on to cut perhaps the best promo of his career afterwards. Unfortunately, his father was still dead, and he was still Mike Graham. Most at the time as well as today in retrospect were disgusted at Graham for actually agreeing to use the confusing and tragic suicide of his father as a device to get an angle over. Fans of the CWF seemed disgusted too, as what was designed to be a huge angle resulted in more empty houses for the company. Mike worked singles matches with members of the Freebirds on Florida stops for a short time before the Freebirds abruptly left the company in the middle of the feud due to differences with then-booker Wahoo McDaniel. In the end, disgracing the death of Eddie Graham never resulted in anything positive. Mike Graham fizzled, fans were still devastated over someone they admired and loved so much taking his own life, and business in Florida never recovered. On October 19, 2012, 
Mike Graham was found dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, committing suicide in the exact same manner as his father had done before him. He was 61 years old. Some of the um, some of the popular bears of the time. <laughs> uh-huh. There was Teddy. Uh huh. I mean, terrible Ted. Terrible. Ted. Uh, Buster Bruin. Sure. Big Boy. Sure. Jigs. Sure. Gorgeous Gus. Sure. Uh, Battling Bruno. Sure. That's a shout out to my son, by the yes, way. Yes. Yes. Uh, and the nice thing about Battling Bruno, he was knighted by Queen Victoria. Sure. And was stuffed upon his death. Okay. By her request. So. People, okay. yeah, I mean, it's shit's crazy with this stuff, isn't it? Now, uh, sure. I mean, I'm just going to be the the cynic here and yeah. say, you know, all of these names, who knows if they were different bears or the same bear? Right. But what the two big ones though, wasn't it? One was terrible, was terrible Ted, Ted, and there was Victor. Victor. Those were the two, the main ones that everyone. But see, would say. those would have been the ones that all, all the promoters called their friends and you. Right. But that doesn't mean that. Victor in one town wasn't battling Bruno in another town, depending on what posters had been printed up right. or, you know, whatever. They just be those were the popular ones and they kind of went with that. Uh there was one guy, was it Dave McKingley? I'm sure the name will come to me, that wrestled bears but also wrestled alligators as well. Oh really? And there's a great story of because he had a station wagon that had an uh a water tank in the back, and that's where the alligator lived. And one time, um, went to do, do the show, found out the alligator had died, but did the whole Tarzan thing of grabbing the alligator and rolling around with it. Yeah, and yeah. Like, and I win, and the alligator goes back in the, you know. Put him in and, 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 and get him off there. That, that's funny. One with a dead alligator. Uh, another one, too, that I thought was interesting in reading, and available in Superstar Billy Graham's book, uh-huh. uh, he talks about it, that that's why he left San Francisco, because they want the promoter wanted him to wrestle a bear right and superstar said that it would kill his heat as a heel uh that's very true and so he's like i'm out of here right because the only the only real payoff to an angle like that i mean the bear has to win because the bear can't lose you know, yeah whatever but uh this is why piper never did a job in the wwf he's there he believed that if i got pinned then that would that would take away all of my oomph yeah you know it's hard to you can work with a bear, but you can't do nuance with a bear. Right? They, they don't. They don't. They don't take booking direction very. That's why Savage never. never yeah, worked that's out why a Savage. Match. Savage is like, I'm not working with this guy. Um, uh, Savage did work with a police dog in a Waffle House one time. Really? Oh, you don't know this? Story? I do not know the story. Oh, Share. oh, it's quite common where Savage, after a match one night, uh, over the course of about twelve minutes, got into a huge fight in a Waffle House that they wound up having to call the police on, and they yeah. sent in a police dog after him. And he got in one kick against the dog before the dog took him down. <laughs> and Dutch Mantel is telling the story, and he's like, uh, "That police dog was famous in that community, and when it passed away, it was like put in the paper." Yeah. And he's like, "And I'll bet you anything, Savage found where that dog's grave was and went and pissed <laughs> on, on it, it just right. to get the last one." Right. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, and speaking of Dutch Mantel, even as recently as 1987, mm-hmm. uh, Mantel, uh, well, he had uh, Terrible Ted, actually. Well, oh, the what, a, a Terrible Ted. Uh, a, I was just going to say, one of the many, uh, fight one of his matches where he uh, actually challenged Wendell Cooley 
because uh, Wendell Cooley wanted to challenge him for the Continental Championship, mm-hmm. and uh, but the champ trying to be sneaky mm-hmm. proposed that uh, he'd go have to go through a, a opponent that was dangerous and fearsome sure. first, and of course it ended up being a bear, which is amazing to me to think that that's 1987 and that was still going on. Well, yes, uh, and I think it would have still been going on in more places if uh, laws against animal exploitation hadn't changed. Right. Right. Uh, because let's wrestling will do anything to make a buck. We're, yeah. We're not proud. Um, but it, I believe it was more the laws changing than anything else. Plus the element of kayfabe, or not kayfabe, but again with cable penetration. Oh, there's a bear coming in. What well, I saw a bear match from this other place last night, and it wasn't very good. Oh yeah, let's not go. And right. So the, as opposed to once a year. Um, but this whole buildup of an opponent that's so like that was also used to bring in Andre the Giant. Right. You know, you could you could do any unstoppable unstoppable force right there. Right. That's pretty awesome to yeah. Andre Giant or a big bear. Sure. Either but way. But either way it would be you know, Andre you could obviously work an angle to preserve preserve your heel. But the big the big argument that Superstar is making there and he's 100% right, right is I have to be here next week. Right, exactly. The, the bears, bears the, the bears, bears only gone. here and then he's gone, but I have to be here and recover. Right. And I think that after a while, if you've seen it enough times, I think it just probably was boring and stupid and silly. Well, it was a gimmick. Right, right. I mean, it's it's a gimmick. You can't, you know, what, the bear's going to get color? I don't <laughs> think that's going to work. <laughs> you know? it, well, inadvertently could give some color. Oh, absolutely. Which yeah. is always dangerous. Now, Heenan in his book, too, uh, talked about Terrible Ted. And uh, I think it was, I, I, I think he was exaggerating a little bit, to be honest with you. No, I don't. I don't, you don't think, think he was so? exaggerating at all. Because he said that he said Ted could do monkey flips. Yeah, serious. Yeah, I've seen bears do monkey flips. What about a flying mare? Yeah, because that's all they have to do is go like just oh, reach up over their shoulder. Okay. I mean, yeah. bears are they wrestle anyway with you know other bears? So it's, and everything. yeah. So it's basically set up. You teach the bear if you're going to stand behind the bear. If the bear lifts his hand, right? You put up, your head okay. in, they'll take you over. Gotcha. So. But I also know that Heenan uh, also did the Bear Man tours in the 70s. Okay. So he would have worked like with, quote unquote, a first generation bear. Right. Which yeah, that's kind of neat. And he said, too, that like the finish, he'd always just wrap a towel around the bear's neck. Sure. Well, like to pretend he's yeah. choking out and the bear would know that that's the signal for it to go down. Yeah. And then that would be it. Now, another neat thing, too, is he said that a lot of times when he did that tour, that the um, they would do it in the winter. Yes. So the bears, the bears want to hibernate. They want to hibernate, mm-hmm. and so they were super groggy. Uh, they'd much rather be doing that, and then uh, they would feel because they would wrestle them on the floor. A lot of times they didn't want to take them in the ring. That was mm-hmm. another one too. I know when they did it in the uh, out on the East Coast, they would have them on the stage with sawdust, right? And so they'd have them wrestle on the floor, mm-hmm. and the f- bears would feel the coldness of the floor. Sometimes on top of an ice rink, and then the bears would piss all over the place. Yeah. So then the rest would be soaked in urine yes. as well. Yes. Wrestling. Well, that happened. And uh, Heidemann tells the story of a bear that was in the ring that only had its fronts out but still had its rear claws. Okay. And um, either somebody did, like, you know, got hit with a, uh, like a slingshot from the crowd or something. Something yeah. infuriated the bear. And the bear tore up the ring and destroyed the ring. With oh, its really? Claws, just like jumping up and down and scraping out the mat and the canvas and everything like that. So they were dangerous animals. Right. Um, and 
it was it, you know it was a full time occupation if you were the bear guy because you had to watch that bear and take it on the road and feed it. Uh, in in drawing heat, there's a great segment that just makes me laugh every time I read it. Uh, Dave McKingley has to go to a zoo to reprocure the bear, like the bear was somehow banned to the zoo for a while, so he had to go pick it up, and it hadn't been fed right all this other stuff so he immediately uh put up a a cocktail of what was it like a bag of dog food a bag of brown sugar and a bottle of water and that's what he mixed up and fed the bear okay and they had to go do a tv interview and the author remarks oh the bear seems settled down he's like yeah he's eating right now but he still has to take a good shit once that's done (laughs) well just wait once that's done you know then the bear will be you know, fully acclimated and 100%. And they had to go to a TV studio and they're doing, hey, the bear's going to be appearing here tonight. And then all of a sudden, the he said that the trainer looked at the bear, saw something, and just grabbed the chain and walked right out of the studio. And they walked out, and as soon as they got outside, the bear proceeded to drop like 100 pounds of shit right on the... the really? Yeah, I mean, he cleaned it up and everything, but like he was that attuned to the bear that he knew... Oh, it's going to happen. It's now. about to happen. And yanked it out and boom, took care of it. And that's, you know, it's funny just telling that story and how in Tunis. Have you ever heard the story about Penn Jillette of Penn and Teller fame with uh, throwing the party and having the midget and telling all the friends that the chimpanzee was coming over? No. This is a little bit of a side, but this is I, great. I gathered that. So Penn Gillette loves to throw parties at it. He li- was living in Las Vegas and would always throw parties and have people come over and he had a friend and it might have been um like i think might have been like marty the midget or somebody one of his buddies that was a midget and he'd have him come over be like oh you got to come over people love it it's crazy it's fun and ha 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 and all that kind of good stuff and uh because you know he just like kind of freaking people out or whatever and he's a midget so then he starts going around the party and telling everybody hey i've got a monkey coming over his chimpanzee's gonna come over and he's gonna it's going to be great. He does tricks. He does this and that. He can take pictures with them and he'll swing around and ha, 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 ha. Okay. And then so the chimpanzee gets there with the trainer and they're about to come into the party. And the trainer says, well, who's all here? Because he sees a lot of crazy shit. He's seen strippers. He sees all kinds of, you know, freaks mm. of nature walking around doing whatever. He's like, are there any midgets here? And Penn's like, yeah, my buddy Marty's here. He's over in the kitchen right now. He's mixing cocktails. It's great. We got the midget bartender. Everyone's loving it. He's like, we can't come in because if this chimpanzee sees the midget, he will attack him and fight him for dominance. Yeah. He's like, he's fine with everybody else, but we can't come in. So then Penn is left in this position where he's like, ah, shit. Well, what do I do? Because I really want to have a midget at the party, but I also want to have a chimpanzee. The, the classic. Right. The classic the, the, it's the Sophie's choice is, you know, the, <laughs> of the party. The, what is it? The is, lady or the lion? Right, right. What do you? Yeah, doors? exactly. What do we do here? Yeah. Lady in the line. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and so um, I think he ended up asking the midget to leave because he was like, you've been here long enough and they've seen you. <laughs> so I would like it if you could go, like if you could leave or, but, but so he learned that. Or, or in wrestling, we're just going to take you off TV. We're taking you off TV. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, I always thought that was kind of, like you said, when the, the trainer being in tune with the. It's like, the, boop, nope, can't have Yeah, not going to happen. You're either going to have the midget or you're going to have the monkey, which if we named episodes would be a great name for the episode. Midget, sure. Midget or the monkey or a sitcom. No. Or a game show. 
Midget with Monkey. Ooh, that sounds like an SNL skit. It right does, there. doesn't it? Yeah. Like, like a 70s SNL uh, skit. No, Nothing no, that... no. No, it could be recent. Um, hey, before we move on from Terrible Ted 2, because I want to talk about Victor a little bit. Terrible Ted or Terrible Ted 2? Terrible Ted, one of them. Oh, okay. One of the Terrible Teds. Uh, Son of Ted. We'll put it up on the Facebook page, but you can look up Tracy Smothers wrestling a bear on YouTube. Yeah, he wrestles a very young bear. Yeah, and Gordon Soley does the commentary Yes, because he was doing Continental. And he says that Ted is 500 pounds of supple muscle. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was a great line. Yeah. Well, the whole uh, wild animal muscle thing, that's behind the Carl Gotch... You know, the the whole body weight workout of animals are able to control their body weight at any angle. Okay. So that that's what you should aspire to do in your workouts and everything. But, again, people, oh, Tarzan, chimpanzee, so cute. Oh, look at this little bear. He's so, it's like, animals will fuck you up, people. Right. I'm right. sorry to keep it, right. but... Uh, even personally, my girlfriend, oh, if we see a little turtle in the road, we have to help it across. I'm like, no, you're not touching that damn right. thing. And if you do, you're washing your hands with bleach. Right. They're rife with disease. I hate to turn into that guy, but, but it's that's what happens. Like, they walk in their own shit. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, it's, okay. It, no, it's, it's well, absolutely. I mean, I love, I love wildlife and... I, I agree with zoos with the proper habitat. However, forcing an animal to do the wrestling circuit is exploitation and obviously is is outdated and everything. Right, right. No, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. Midgets, midgets should still work like midgets, though. Yes, I agree. Sorry. This hardcore stuff is for the birds. Nope. Just... Nope, don't like it with regular-sized people either. I know. Exa- yeah, yeah. So, I know. It's just... Bite the ref's butt, run around in circles. Right. Do the rolling thing where they roll over the ref. Yep. yep. It's, it's all classic stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor the wrestling bear. Yes. Another one. Another famous bear, uh, whether it's Ted or Victor. But Victor's really uh, really pretty famous, too, because Victor was the bear that uh, he was the one that the ABA used at their halftime show, similar to the movie Semi-Pro with Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Where they would have the bear come out and uh, like entertain them and mm-hmm. wrestle in that. So in the old ABA basketball league, sure, good. So the guy made a good kinda, payday, right? Absolutely. Uh, Victor wrestled notable names such as the Destroyer, Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper talks about him on um, on YouTube. You can see footage of that as well. Uh, again, Victor wrestled Gorgeous George at some point and Wahoo McDaniel as well. Uh, Gary Hart was. Famous mm-hmm. for wrestling Victor is well not famous for wrestling Victor, but wrestled Victor at some point. But what made Victor great to me, and we alluded to this before we started the taping, was uh Victor's reward for a match well wrestled was a bottle of Coke. A bottle of Coke. I would have more fun watching a bear drink a bottle of Coca-Cola than I would have him wrestle a man. Well, and that was part of the act. Uh, this is uh, There's a segment of this available on that Good Times video footage that's yes. always around and everything. But that was nothing more than the reward that you gave an animal for performing a trick. <laughs> right. I mean, right. they knew they were getting that bottle of Coke, and they would be pissed if they didn't. Right. Um Dutch Mantel talks about when he wrestled a bear in his book, he went out and saw how the bear was being treated and everything. Like it was just locked in a cage and left to rot, you know, between matches. So he made the effort to go out and give the bear a Coke every night so that the bear would become familiar with him. So that by the time they got in the ring together, you know, the bear trusted him and knew he was, you know, wasn't, wasn't there to beat him with a stick. Right. Right. Um, 
and that led to a battle royal where the bear was in the royal and the bear kind of freaked out when somebody hit Mantell. It's like, nope, that's a friend of mine. So suddenly it's down to Mantell and the bear. That's awesome. Yeah. See, now that's kick-ass stuff right there. Well, that's kick-ass stuff, but let's not forget that you know an animal was being beaten. Right, and, right, and, right. And no, I mean... malnourished and everything like that. And that's how Dutch was able to make this connection. But, and could have killed everybody in the Battle Royale. Right, just, for sure. Just if we wanted to. Uh, you mentioned Piper uh, wrestling the bear. Yes. And in his book, he tells the honey on the trunk story. Uh, yeah, go over that, would you please? Okay. Well, let me. I'll tell the story, but then it goes into the bigger thing. Yeah. Of supposedly, I was going out to wrestle the bear, and the Alaskan Jay York wished me good luck and gave me, you know, the coach swat on the bottom. Uh, but what I didn't know was he had a finger full of honey and put honey on the back of my trunk. So now the bear is suddenly trying to get the honey and like trying to get up my butt the entire match. Right. So Piper tells this story. I've seen this story in at least told, told by at least three other people. So in my mind, this gets classified in with the popcorn box battle royal right. and the phantom bump out of nowhere and the gouge the guy's eye out and stepped on it that everybody was around for it and it seems that everybody's done it done so it, who right. knows where it originally came from right but you know piper wants like to say that. he did it sure right no i think he took that one because i think you can he has it on many interviews he talks about that thing. sure but i think that's also a trope of wrestling right that it just kind of become yeah that like way that everybody like oh yeah sure did it and i had the belt and the House was sold out. Right. It's all that good stuff. Now, and we had them right here, man. Uh, we right, had exactly. them right They were, right. They were there. Yeah. So uh, something I would be remiss if we did not bring up, good friend of both of ours, Marion Fontaine. Yes. Um, to recreate I know. the, uh, the uh, Bear versus Tracy Smothers. Okay. Before you get into the story, just fair disclosure, I do commentary for that group. No, that no, I'm not. Okay, I just, I, I I just want the people fair, to know so they don't think I'm. And I'm not even double dipping. I, go I out get, and find the, the. I don't get paid for either. Find the DVD, uh, watch it. Um, definitely check it out. It's great. Marion Fontaine, awesome, absolutely. Go ahead, go through it because it is funny. Well, uh, th- from what I, because I will say, I will just tell from my perspective from how I discovered it mm-hmm. was that uh, the flyer, the poster. I didn't read it close enough because it's on facebook or it was on the interwebs and it said you know watch tracy smothers wrestle a bear and Mm -hmm. i'm thinking to myself holy shit like fontaine has gone off the deep end and how is this legal and he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would be into doing that did smothers talk him into this is this something that's really going to happen and i was really perplexed by it and thinking about it and i remember talking to a couple people about it i can't remember who it was some other guys and I'm like, did you hear Fontaine's doing? It might have been Matt Cross I was talking to. Sure. Where I was like, name dropper. Right. Well, I was like, close hey, personal are, friend Matt Cross. Close, close personal friend Matt Cross. Slept on my girlfriend's couch one time. I was there too. But. <laughs> very, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Slept on my couch as well. So anyhow, did you did you gently blow in his face while he slept? That's what I did. <laughs> did you? Yeah. That's well, creepy. Yeah. Well, no, it was. Yeah. Made sense at the time. He slept uh, on our couch, and my kids were sitting in the hallway the next morning waiting for him to wake up so they could watch TV. And they're like, what's with this guy? And Matt slept till like 1 in the afternoon. (laughs) My kids are just like, what is – get up. Dad, is he going to wake up? I'm like, I don't know. I think this is what these guys do. They sleep late. 
So anyhow, back to the story. So I think I was talking to Matt about it, and I'm like, is Fontaine really getting a bear? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I do. Oh, Smothers is wrestling a bear. So then I was looking around, and then I noticed on the poster it said in small type or whatever that it is not a real bear. Card subject to change. Card subject to change, and that – uh, due to state laws in, I think it was Ohio. Yeah, or... as he's cutting the promo, he's like actually listing the statute underneath as the guy's like, I'm going to be there with a real bear. Not a real bear. bear. Right, right. <laughs> so um, I've seen pictures. Um, what, what, it's, it's a guy in a suit, right? <laughs> what, do you peek at Christmas too? Yeah. There might, there's a question about the bearded lady as well. Yes. Yeah. So, But I think that was great. I think it's neat. Uh, might not creative. be a real beard. That might not, not, not so much yeah. a little spirit gum and some, I, who knows, but I think it's great shadow. taking the chance, doing stuff like that. Kind of yeah, keeping yeah. The, the, cause he does that old time wrestling show with a lot of the old characters. I'm familiar. I know you are, but I'm just saying I'm, for the people who aren't familiar, not everybody is in tune with the world of wrestling as you are. Good. Well, okay. <laughs> so they have lives. So again, the bears, it's nice to see, uh, that, they're not doing that practice anymore. Sad to see the um, the way they were treated, but definitely a part of history when it comes to professional wrestling. Yes, very much. And this was part of the traveling attraction, as we said earlier, either with the ladies or the midgets or whatever, that this was something that you would cycle through in your territory um, you know, to, to get a little bump in your crowd. Obviously, it's not going to be a long-time bump, but you are going to hopefully get new eyes into your right. into your product and they can see what's going and on. And make no mistake about it. Any footage you've uh, I've seen, I'm sure you've seen, it's bad. Like, well, it's not it, so much bad, but it's what what did you think was going to happen? Right, the exactly. bear was going to come they're off just, the ropes? Right, they're swatting know? at a bear. The bear swats back. Next, they try to take him down. The bear doesn't want to leave its feet. Oh, the bear's squishing him. It's so funny. Ha, 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 ha. Right. Um, there is a good story. Uh, this uh, more more cursing. Uh, in Rod Fent, uh, um, Pat Barrett's book, where he's talking about, for the promoter Rod Fenton up in the north northwest like Al Tomko's promotion, but Rod Fenton was the promoter there, uh, wrestling a guy called the Wolfman. The Wolfman was wrestling the bear, but like got tricked into it. And there was that one point where the bear got on top of him and just did not let him up and he couldn't breathe. And so finally the Wolfman, um, whose gimmick was around the deal that he was a savage and he couldn't talk and everything, finally the trainer gets the bear off of him and he just stands up and looks at the promoter and says, fuck you, Fenton, you wrestled the goddamn bear. And jumps over the ra- <laughs> jumps over the ropes, leaves the territory. It's and like, that's, I, it. that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. And that is it. That, again, another great story. That's where we're going to end this one. Okay. That is absolutely fantastic. Um, bears and wrestling. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you are going to look it up on the internet, I suggest typing in professional wrestler fights bear or professional wrestling a bear do not type in wrestle a bear or do or do if you want i guess yeah yeah absolutely right 2017 it's a big world we're doing it go for it do what you got to do so wrapping things up this is your co-host jay gilke and you've been listening to cigars and conversations with Derek st holmes esquire brought to you by our good friends at astro radio z one gimmickworld.com and itunes remember subscribe tell your friends tell everybody and we will see you next time you wrestle the bear